newbie. Moving newbie. Moving newbie. Yo, what's up, guys, and welcome to the Movie Newbie Podcast with me, Jabril, the Movie Newbie, and the two aficionados, Ollie and Raf. So enjoy the show. Yo, what's up, guys, and we are back again for another episode of the Movie Newbie. I am your host, Jabril, and with me as usual, Raf and Ollie. How about you guys say hello? Hello. Hello. <laughs> I actually, okay, so I, sorry, I meant to bring this, I probably should have brought this up off air. But mm-hmm. I did have, um, uh, not, I wouldn't say a criticism, Jabril, but a suggestion mm-hmm. uh, to you as the host. Okay. Now, I feel you do such a good job of introducing us every episode mm-hmm. and sort of, like, just kicking us off. Mm-hmm. But then every time I notice you say, I'm joined as usual by Oliver and Raphael. Mm-hmm. And then there's this awkward pause where Raph and I, Raphael and I are trying to figure out who's going to say hi first. <laughs> so I was thinking maybe in the future, just a note, and maybe we can edit this out. But maybe in future, we could say, uh, you could point it to one of us and be like, Raph. And then Raph says hello. And then point it to me and then I say right. hello. Okay, because well, Raph and I are too go. awkward. We don't have that natural <laughs> rhythm. <laughs> Yo, what's up, guys? Back again. <laughs> I'm your host. Oh, shit. I see. I fucked it up now. Okay. Um, you know, whatever. Uh, next time, we'll keep that in mind. But, you know, as usual, the movie newbie, Jabril, Raph, and Ollie, they've said hello already. And we're back for episode 35. And episode 35, we're exploring Dog Day Afternoon by Sydney Lumet. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Raph, do you want to kick us off with this? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, yeah, our... we have initial initial thingies, but you you kick us off. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about our initial thoughts um, right after I introduced this film. Uh, the reason why I wanted to choose this film and why I thought it'd be a great second entry is because it's my personal favorite of the Lumet kind of filmography. And it's also my favorite Al Pacino film. Um, it's, I think, one of his most outstanding performances. Um, and it's just a brilliant story. It's one of those stories where you're thinking, what else can go wrong? And it, you keep going down that hole. And all the while that everything's going awry, everything's going south for these boys, for, for these two um, for these two robbers, you sympathize. It's a story that, 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 that creates sympathy within its characters. And it's so beautifully told, so fast paced, so thrilling, so just batshit crazy, excuse my French. But it's 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 one of those films that I can watch over and over again and always constantly find um, more detail in it. Um, I, I do think it's it's again uh, a bit of a masterpiece, uh, and it's it's my favorite Lumet film, and I'm so excited to dig into this. So, guys, initial thoughts. What's up? Uh, should I point? Yeah, I, I should point. First. I'll go first. I should, I'll go I should first. do the pointing thing now that Ollie's introduced it. I will do that. Jabriel. That's poor pressure on okay. someone, isn't it? Um, point. Ollie, what have you yeah. done? <laughs> also, if you if you pointed to the webcam, I don't think we'd be able to tell who you pointed to. No, yeah. so, so that's why I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say J- we have to, yeah, we have to say a name. We have to say yeah. J or or Ollie. We have to cue one of us up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So uh taking what you guys told me about like Lumet with like his style and stuff from the last movie. I tried to like go into this movie and be like, okay, let me try and figure these things out. So I kind of noticed these like technical 
camera angles and movements that you guys were talking about in, uh, with 12 Angry Men. So I really like that. I like the use of like sarcasm throughout the entire movie. I thought that was really funny. Um, Pacino obviously was amazing and he looks like my roommate. So like whenever <laughs> he showed up, I'm like, oh shit, it's you, man. Um, so there was that, yeah. And overall I liked it. It was a pleasant watch. I uh, kind of had like, I don't know, rap, because you kind of, you introduced the single location theme. Mm. Did you have like some ulterior like Sydney Lumet kind of like thing where you wanted to like put mm. them? Because so far these Damn. two movies are kind of single location vibes. That's true. That's true. I, I guess. I guess. Mm. Um, <laughs> I guess you. I guess you're you're somewhat right that it doesn't really div- like it doesn't um, have any other specific location yeah. than that bank itself. Apart from when they go to the airport, mm-hmm. um, there's a few exterior shots there. But you're right. Maybe there is yeah. a bit of a pattern. Because also time of recording this is going to be a year of the movie newbie so it's kind of cool that we started off with a single location kind of theme and we we've a year later we're still doing single locations but different different theme altogether but yeah ollie how about your initial thoughts oh right yeah um so um just a little bit of backstory here somehow uh despite me claiming to be someone who enjoys movies and you know uh has done his fair bit of uh of a cinephile's education I had somehow never seen Dog Day Afternoon, which I I told Raph this. I I confessed this to Raph in my darkest hour um, this past weekend, and he couldn't believe it. He was positively gobsmacked. And, um, yeah, I don't know how that happened. It just I just never got around to it. So I was really excited to give this one a go because I had been, you know, holding on to the shameful secrets for so long. Mm-hmm. And um, It's out now, Ollie. It's out yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, better late than never, right? Because um, I was I was not disappointed. I thought mm-hmm. this film was going to... What? what? Hmm? No, I was, we won't cancel <laughs> you, don't worry. Uh, yeah, please don't. Please don't. Mia culpa. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll release any kind of apology on Twitter, I promise. Um, but um, <clears throat> yeah, I was, you know, I was not disappointed. I thought this film was just phenomenal i was expecting it to be really good it had been hyped up to me by a lot of people um but it, it it didn't it didn't you know it didn't fail to deliver it didn't disappoint in any way i thought it just was incredibly raw it was incredibly funny i think the humor in this film is superlative and i think is a big selling point i think the performances across the board not just pacino who does you know who is like earth shatteringly good in this but the performances around him it's such a well cast film and we can get into that later I also felt that the, you know, it's funny, like sometimes I get this uh, phenomenon watching a a film from several decades ago where I'm like, oh, I feel like I've seen a lot of this before. And that would seem, you know, you might get the impression from that that the film is not particularly original, but but it didn't feel that way. It felt incredibly raw and timeless. So I think think this film just inspired a shit ton of films that came after it. Mm -hmm. I feel like nearly every film that somehow deals with inner city like an inner city crime job gone wrong or with anything dealing with like a media circus or any yeah, like film that's set in new york city um oh phone booth the guy in the phone booth oh yeah okay phone yeah booth. absolutely <laughs> phone booth would be one or inside man uh, is good another time, one almost good time absolutely absolutely mm. i just I, I i but you know at the same time while i could recognize all the the ways in which other films had cribbed from this film it still felt incredibly fresh to me, and um, I was just, um, I was hooked to the screen the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, really glad I finally got to watch this, because this was great, yeah. 
Sweet, 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 sweet. Yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, I've, I've, I mean, I've already expressed my my opinions on this film, um, and I don't know if we have to tell, you know, the listeners out there what this film's about. I guess maybe they can find out, but it's it's a it's basically a robbery gone wrong. Uh, it, it goes from being a robbery to a hostage takeover, and it was a story that was um, actually uh, first a, a an article. Um, that turned into a story uh, and it was based on a real robbery that happened um, in New York uh, between John Wachowitz and Salvatore Natura, uh, Naturile, I guess is his name, if I'm not uh, butchering it. And it was in 1972, uh, August 22nd. Uh, it was, it was, they, they, they were attempting to rob one of the branches of the Chase Manhattan uh, in 45th Avenue uh, in Brooklyn. Um, and they wanted a large sum of money and they thought everything was going to go right and it goes terribly wrong. So, yeah, I mean, it's the, the first, the first kind of, since we're introducing this whole thing of structure, the first thing I wanted to talk about, and I know I said to you performances, um, but I really want to narrow down on Pacino. Obviously we will talk about, you know, John Cazale and all the other, the ensemble, because they do make this movie great. I just feel like pinpointing it for, for, for this episode, since 12 Angry Men was really the focus of the ensemble. Let's make this one the focus of Pacino, because he I think it is his film, uh, all in all. He does he does carry it most of all. Um, and it and it, it is about a real life person. Um and yeah, I just wanted to see what your thoughts on what, what your thoughts were on 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 Pacino himself, you know, seeing him in this light, because we have done the Godfather. Uh we have we have uh, dug through that route, and we have kind of talked about his performance there. But this is a very, this is a very, very different Pacino in me. Um, and when I first saw this film, that's when I recognized acting as this grand powerhouse. And I think that's the first time I was inspired to kind of um, journey into into becoming a serious actor. Let's say so. I like to thank Pacino and Lumet <laughs> and everyone involved in this film for bringing it out, and my father. For, for, for letting me watch it with him at such an early age. Was your dad a, um, a fan of this film then? Big fan. Yeah, big fan. We have mm. it. We have it on DVD back home, and he was the one who showed it to me. He was like, son, give me that whole feel. <laughs> that whole feel of like, son, you want to see great acting? Did he like balance his beer on your head while saying this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Pat me on the back, son. Tsh, tsh. Um, yeah, no, he he was he, he's a big fan, and, and I'm so thankful that... Uh, well, he showed me this film early on. I think it did set some kind of idea. It, it, he implanted some kind of idea in my head, and I've never let go of it since. And every time I think of the greatest performances of all time, I think of Pacino in this film. Yeah, I mean, nice. I mean, I don't know what else we could add to it that probably hasn't already been said a million times before. But it's a, it's just a phenomenal performance. And you know what? Attica! <laughs> that's definitely gonna come up a few times in this podcast yeah. i was yeah. i was wondering if we could break the 15 minute mark before you know launching into that but <laughs> well um, 13 14 <laughs> we're almost there we were almost there but uh i i just think like what's it what's impressive is about how he can you know um how he can maintain that pitch of performance this whole time because he's got to play someone who's having, you know, to say the least, a pretty fucking wild 12 hours, right? Yeah. From the very beginning of the movie, he's, you know, he's he's wired, right? Because he's about to do, you know, the most terrifying, gutsy kind of thing ever, which is go into a bank with a gun and hold it up. And then, mm -hmm. obviously, everything goes wrong. 
And then he has to, at this, the whole time, kind of negotiate between these two sides, come up with a plan and, you know, try and pull off the unthinkable the whole time. And, well, you know, staying at that energy level the whole time and always being on. And it's crazy that he can hold that without ever wavering. Um, and, you know, like, Al Pacino is someone who I think probably nowadays is known as an actor that makes big choices. Like, people think of him as, like, the Al Pacino from Heat and like mm. sent for moon, like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, you know, yeah, yeah, she yeah. got a great big ass. But, um, you know, you look at him in like Godfather, he's really quiet, reserved. A lot of those films from the 70s, he's you know, a very cool cucumber. But in this film, he's kind of making big choices, but it doesn't feel hackneyed or tacky. It feels, you know, it feels mm. like pretty understandable considering the circumstances this character is under. Truly, truly, yeah. Um, Jabril, any 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 thoughts or anything to, to to add on to kind of the the Pacino performance, uh, at least in my opinion? Yeah, I mean, I love I love Pacino first of all. Like, I think he's mm. great, especially like like I think Ollie stole the words out of my mouth was like in The Godfather, he's very calm and collected, mm. and as we see like him grow as an actor, he becomes more like <laughs> like more, like uh, out there. Mm. Um, but yeah, I like I I think if it wasn't for him, I probably would have been bored throughout yeah. this movie. Mm. I think he was the only good character. Like I don't know what you mentioned. Like when you mentioned uh, Kazale, mm-hmm. uh, who was also with him in The Godfather, I thought like his performance in The Godfather was better than the performance he gave. Like he, it wasn't believable that he was like scared or I, I don't know. I thought like the. My set, my my favorite character after was um, the the boss of the the cashiers, the lady in the blue dress. I yes, don't know what yeah. her name was. She was um, that actress uh, playing. Jenny, she was, Jenny. was fantastic. J- Jenny, Jenny, I believe. Yeah, Carol Kane was it? Jenny? No, Carol Kane is the um, Carol Kane is the ac- actress from uh, you know um, Annie Hall, and she's oh, also yeah, in um, yeah. uh, what's that show with Ellie Kem- Kemper, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, Carol Kane's the blonde one. I think, was it Penelope Allen playing, was it Shirley or something? I'm not Is sure, that, but... Oh, Shirley. yeah, yeah, S- Sylvia, Sylvia. Sylvia, so the, the, yes. The, Sylvia, one, yeah. the one who was the boss and she kept going out with Pacino. I really yes. liked their yeah. 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 Uh, their dynamics together and I think it worked really well. Um, and, yeah, just Pacino is great. Mm. Like, it's, it also looked like the other actors were in awe of him throughout yeah. the movie just mm-hmm. maybe because of like the situation but yeah i don't know i can't really say anything other than that it's mm. masterful performance in my opinion any any um was there were there any moments when you thought uh this is something else or this he is another because you know we're, 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 this is 1975 these mm-hmm. are these are these are the some of the first performances of Pacino's career. He mm-hmm. only started out when he was, you know, in his early 30s, I, b- I believe, like, especially really? on the big screen. Well, on the big screen for the big directors. I think uh, that's yeah, when, yeah. when he catapulted into, you know, stardom was mm-hmm. when he featured in these, like, early on films. Um, you know, he, he went on, he was a theater actor. He went to the actor studio. You know, he did Broadway. I think he, he snatched John Cazale from on Broadway as well. And Lumet and Pacino were responsible for casting this film, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so they cast most yeah. of these actors, which is props to them for kind of the acting to be on par with, with the movie's um, heavy, heavy themes and heavy, heavy, just heaviness in general. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but were there any moments in in this film that 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 told you that Pacino was just a different beast? For me, for me, the very moment that I can think of where it uh, threw me to to he he threw himself into another sphere was when he's kind of like the the moments right before he opens the box and takes out the gun. He's just, mm. he has this pacing and you can mm. just see like what's about to be, like he, you can, you can almost hear him think. It's incredible. Um, wow, that's really interesting that you say he, that. Yeah. Because I, I say the last scene and it's, uh, I guess it's pretty similar uh, that you uh, can like oh, read, yeah. read him as a character mm. and the way he's like projecting that character. I thought it was which is similar and and again uh, it's one of the it's one of the impressive things that i think lumet tries to get and he that's it's what he it's what he gets in in 12 angry men the silence or the those those mm. silent moments those moments of thinking the, those moments of movement those moments where an actor doesn't necessarily need the lines to prove his performance but is in the space and you see pacino like in those both moments that we've mm -hmm. that we're talking about is that's when you're transported into holy shit he's living this being he is this person mm -hmm. and yeah as soon as he take whips out the gun that and that's when you know in the plot itself in the narrative you're going somewhere fuck it yeah we're done. like as an audience you are you are mm. you are put there i think i think like um how he uh i think you brought up silence right like you know he's one of those actors that can do just as perhaps more without dialogue than with dialogue because of how expressive his face is. And I'm thinking there are like several key moments where he, you know, he has a realization um, and you see something just change in his performance and like he just steps into a different key. Like I think of um, like when, when he realized, and also this is just a great scene when the telephone rings and the, and the bank teller picks it up and says, it's for you. Mm. <laughs> and then like, cause he's not like meant to be playing that sharp of a character he doesn't immediately clock that this could only be bad news, so, which is really funny, actually. I think this film, we'll talk about it later, but this film does a great job of both poking at his fun and uh, fun at his character, sorry, for being a bit of an idiot, but then also um, really empathizing with him. But anyway, so he gets, she passes him the phone, then he picks it up and he's like, hello. And then it's like, we've got you, asshole. And then it just sort of like goes into that shift in focus and you see the police officers mm. across the... Um, yeah. And his, you know, the color just drains from his face. And he was already pretty sweaty and pale before this. Mm -hmm. And that's a great moment. And then you've also got moments where he does another shift. Like when he's outside sort of talking to the um, negotiator in front of the crowds for the first time. And he starts noticing that the crowd is actually responding positively to him and kind of um, eating it up, what he's saying. And it, like he gets an applause, uh, like a cheer at one point. And you just see him kind of like pace back and he's just like, wait, wait, I kind of like this. Like the people <laughs> out here like me, like, because they laugh at like something he said. And he's like a comedian who realizes he got a laugh and he's just like, yeah, Do yeah. And that's when he starts <laughs> to enjoy it. And he becomes a performer for the rest of the film. You, you can say it. You can say it. Yeah, go on. You, can, you can say it. Oh, <laughs> sure. Attica! Attica! <laughs> <laughs> um and we'll I, I think we'll dive into that um because as much as i want my second pillar 
or the second theme of this episode to be about direction, although we don't have to go there yet, but we'll talk about, I think, the role of the media, um, which is, you know, the role of the media and the role of the news, the role of the people, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, the role of the outside world, essentially. Um, but any, any, and before we, before we go on that, like harken it back to Pacino or any other kind of moments, um, for you guys or any performances whatsoever, uh, beyond Pacino, cause I know we've, we've now, I don't want to discredit everyone else in the cast. I do want to say that <laughs> I love John Gazzali and I love his, his stillness and the way he can just say a line and with utter seriousness, it being funny. He has one of my favorite lines mm -hmm. in the film is when uh, when Al Pacino asks him, uh, "So where do you want to fly to?" and he says, "Wyoming." Oh uh, like, yeah, we're in the world. No, where you... in the world do you want to fly to? <laughs> it's like anywhere mm -hmm. outside the U.S. Yeah. He's like at what... Wyoming. Yeah, it's just the way. And apparently that moment was purely improvised too, so it was just great. Um, but yeah, yeah. And they're like, yeah. "Did you get this guy?" This game yeah, Wyoming's a country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, that they can this throughout the me... movie, they just take the piss out of them. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I love that. You know, again, I think I mentioned uh, when we recorded the episode on um, Twelve Angry Men that I felt like it must have been shot in sequences, and they start mm. from the beginning of the script and then end with the end of it. And this, you know, I feel like they may have done the same with this um, uh, film too, because the fact they have that improvised line about Wyoming. And then like three scenes later, he's like referencing it, that improvised line to one of the other characters, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, for like, sure. And it's, and it's, um, I think, I think that that only carries the film's performances yeah. to, to a higher level is, is having that support around Pacino. So yes, Pacino, um, gives a, you know, a towering performance, but I feel like it would have, this film would have fallen flat and it wouldn't have been as memorable or as indelible if the rest of the cast hadn't also, you know, given their best, which they have. And, you know, you're getting everyone from the ensemble in the bank, from uh, the ensemble, from the police ensemble as well, the, the, the FBI's, like everyone really has a part to play and it's quite terrific because they're all just mixing and matching and gelling together to make this film what it is. Also great, um, great casting for the extras because oh, yeah. this is like a really good New York film mm. and that's not always something that's easy to create that mm. sense of like a real authentic community and like having all, all those crowds that are milling around the police scene, the crime scene, yeah. those, you know, those are just like the people shouting out one lines and stuff, but they sound like they're from Brooklyn. They sound mm. like like could have they could have been people they that were actually there part of that yeah. neighborhood or that block or whatever mm -hmm. and that's i i think like that sense of community is obviously really important mm -hmm. to sydney lumet because he chooses to open this film with this uh, you know seemingly <clears throat> random montage of just mm -hmm. people living their lives in brooklyn in this you know in the year like mm -hmm. 1972 in what appears to be like a, a stiflingly hot summer and it just feels like yeah. you're that's what Lumet does well though the sweat in this yeah. movie and the, the increasing like the increased heat mm. i mean i think he does that perfectly which is funny because uh one, one of the facts about this film is that it was shot in a cold autumn Damn. Uh, really mm, yeah it was uh it was well, shot in like early september or like late september and apparently it was a really chilly autumn so it wasn't oh, quite hot outside Damn, um 
and <laughs> and um, I think the, the the also one of the great film that highlights the performances is um, that it wasn't shot in an, any old studios. I think he used that outside location and lured people, like extras were were people from that borough, people from that area, uh, yeah. coming in and giving their support to the film. And mm-hmm. Sydney has an affinity for shooting in New York City. You know, he has he has numerous films that he has that he has shot. Is on he uh, is he from is he from New York? I believe he is from New York City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Big Apple man. Yeah. So and you forget can say, about it. Forget about. I'm walking in. Nah, um, he's from Philly. Oh, he's from oh, Philly. Oh, always wow. sunny in Philly. Mm. Always sunny. Wow. Well. We, well, but I guess similar-ish. There goes my theory. Kind of vibe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps, but he, he, he can think, he can he can depict the urban sprawl really well. I think yeah, that can be yeah, said. Mm-hmm. That's, that can be said. It translates. It translates in his films, and it certainly mm-hmm. translates in this film. As soon as you're taken outside the 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 bank, you can see that New York or where he's shooting Brooklyn is a living, breathing place that just it translates on camera. So, to move on to the second point that I wanted to kind of dive into. And I know I said prior to this, sorry, listeners, uh, just like a little heads up that I gave, I gave these guys the, the pillars, those three structures that we usually play with now. Um, and I said, we're going to like mm-hmm. focus kind of on direction stuff like that. But I want to scrap that a little bit and kind of jump into the role of the people or the media. We're getting bank robbers that have uh, gone and robbed a bank it has gone horribly awry. It's a heist gone wrong. Suddenly, it becomes a hostage situation. But these bank robbers are quite—they um, become the people's champions almost. At least Pacino starts mm-hmm. to become mm. in favor of the people. And you know what? The hostages even like it. You know, so we were talking about mm-hmm. one of one of the actresses, um, Sylvia Penelope Allen who in one moment, it kind of summarizes what fame is and what fame does to you. But she suddenly is talking to a reporter that's up in the window and they're exchanging conversation. And then yeah. she's like, no, I'm going to go back in. Like, I, And she does it. And it's and like, she comes back. And when yeah. she comes back in, she's like positively like, blushing yeah. and like, mm. flu- <laughs> like flustered and she says oh girls there are so many reporters out there and so you can, what is you that know. you know what is, well, I, what I is... think i don't know i think i think okay so i think this is the sort of film that uh you know it's great that this film was made at this particular time because it probably captured a turning point in sort of like american and at large you know global culture and mm. the relationship we have with media um, but it, it, it was probably only a few years before this film came out that this really became a thing where you had things like live constant coverage on the news. You had yeah. mo- more than like three or four channels to pick from. And this you, was like the age of advertising had, as well. Yeah, abso- like, absolutely. Absolutely. Media absolutely. was becoming huge at that time. And you had like the beginning of what we what would later become like reality star, you know, figures, basically. Mm-hmm. I think there like, were people in the news that were turned into sort of celebrities for no other reason Bundy than just being famous these, exactly like, killers, yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely and you had the same with like snooping into you know politicians private lives things mm. were being exposed in a different way um and i think the technology was a big part of that as well like technology had advanced mm. so much in terms of what you could record and broadcast and um i also think like i think a big point of this as well is that um I imagine, and I don't really know like enough about modern American history to back this up, 
But I just feel like, okay, so I think this film is set in 1972. Watergate was only three years before this. Mm-hmm. I believe you had the uh, the riots in the 60s, in the late 60s in America. You had a lot of yeah. spate of police brutality that was being, for the first time, openly criticized. You had the Vietnam War. Yeah, exactly. And I think like a big, what you can feel with nearly every character in this outside of the police themselves and the FBI is an inherent distrust or maybe distaste for authority figures yeah. any authority figures that's mm. part of the reason why the crowd so easily gets on the side of sony that's why even the people who are being held hostage themselves at one point having guns held up to their heads are kind of on their side too or at least mm. you know are more easily swayed by them it's it's very interesting because like you mentioned that it was a timeless movie and i think more because of the conversations that are presented to us you have violence you have uh lgbt issues you have i know just like social social class issues and Mm. these are things being explored in the 70s like in in the early Mm. 70s where maybe yeah there was like some sort of like uh how do i say this like a cultural movement but just in maybe in the states you know like now with the world going with the the way it is you know with like police brutality Mm. and people not going for LGBT views or taking that into account is it's pretty interesting. And I think like, I, I don't know how that was received with this movie, you know, like to have the main character um, have a f- fake marriage with a woman who, and he was in love with a man who wanted to be, uh, sorry, who was transgender, who was getting a sex. Like, I mean, those are conversations that for me in the seventies didn't exist. Absolutely. So, I thought that was a very, very good. I mean, uh, would you say it's a twist? Uh, maybe, maybe for the seventies it was a twist. A pleasant <laughs> surprise. Well, yeah, I, yeah. right, yeah. For for today, it was a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, I yeah. knew enough about this movie to know that the it, it had this plot subplot regarding um, Al Pacino's character wanting to pay for the sex reassignment surgery, or what, which I guess was how it was known then. I'm not sure if there's a an updated term for that. Um, but for the sex change surgery for his boyfriend or for his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was expecting there to be a little bit of something that was a bit outmoded or outdated or a little bit embarrassing about how this film would treat that. I just assumed that kind of wrongheadedly mm-hmm. because it came from 40 to 50 years ago, this film. Mm-hmm. But I thought it treated it with a great deal of sensitivity. At least that's from where I was standing. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I was surprised by that too. And it shares and it shares a beautiful beautiful scene between um, mm. between mm. Pacino and and who I think is is kind of the uh, Mark Mark Ruffalo look like uh, <laughs> Chris Sarandon. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, who is that? Uh, Mark Ruffalo. No, no, no. Who is Chris Sarandon? Chris Sarandon plays um, Leon, his uh, his partner. Yeah. Leon, his who, partner, yeah. Who he's... Um, who, oh, who's, yeah, yeah. Okay. Who, who's, okay. He's yeah, trying yeah, to have yeah. <laughs> gender reassignment <laughs> surgery. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. Um, and he... Yeah, it's, it, 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 I think that uh, you talking about sensitivity is that scene, that, that conversation that they have towards the, the latter part of the film, towards the end. Um and again, highlighting a beautiful, beautiful performance by both of them, and certainly Pacino. Mm. And just what the hell he does with his eyes, jeez. Um, but yeah, it's, it's <laughs> it, it it um it really 
it makes it, it it gives it a progressiveness um which i think um has an indelible stamp on it so this film i think can always be viewed as some somewhat progressive because of the things that it touches upon and because of this is an actual story you know this is someone who who this actually happened um so there's no there's no bullshit um and 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 i think the media highlighting that and us us knowing about it um through this film i don't know what the impact was culturally but i'm sure it was it was pretty big especially for brooklyn um to have this happen and the fact that uh uh, um al pacino not not al pacino but uh sunny uh became a celebrity uh in Mm. these parts uh through this robbery Mm. um you know, kind of, kind of an anti-hero, uh, almost a Robin uh, Hood type figure. Even yeah, though Robin he was Hood in it for figure, selfish yeah. reasons, he was treated probably as like a bit of a local hero. Yeah, for yeah. What he did, a, a Jesse James. Yeah, like personally, maybe definitely, definitely flawed, but publicly viewed as some, some, something other, right? Mm. Um, and that's what the media can cast on you, right? That's what that's what the role of the of uh, of a televised uh, robbery can do. Suddenly, you can see different perspectives to a story and then you get the crowd attached to it and the crowd can make up whatever they want in that story and maybe some of the crowds knew this knew this person knew him personally because i you know he said he got tipped at a gay club uh about this robbery um apparently he was kind of a figure uh in the gay community uh in new york and uh he 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 just he he had something i think that the public kind of saw um, and he had that response, which I think he gives in the film and he gave in real life when this robbery actually took place. Mm. So, so, you know, you, 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 you can see it in different angles. And I think that talks to the progressiveness of this film is that yeah. as soon as you can see it in, in multiple perspectives, that's when a film does something right. And I think you can tell it's <clears throat> fairly progressive because even today, a film like this would be out of the norm, I think. Yeah. I don't think, right, like, yeah. how often today in 2021 do you have a, f- uh, a film about a bank robbery, like, you know, so like an action film or a, or a thriller, yeah. where the lead character... I mean, do bank robberies still Well, happen? Well, yeah. I, I mean, guess, maybe I mean so. they happen in Fast and Furious films, and they do. those yeah, are reflections do. of what happens in real life, <laughs> exactly. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You know that scene where they um, steal the bank vault? With a car yeah, from yeah, in, yeah. <laughs> in Rio, yeah, 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 absolutely. And they drag it across the city, um, supposedly based on a true story. I'm um, pretty sure that's what. I mean, I, I've tried it myself. I think. Yeah. But anyway, um, uh, but the, okay, yeah. Like, how often would you get a, like a, a bank robbery from, or just any kind of film where the ha- lead character just so happens to be in love with another man, mm. or um, just so happens to be queer? And it's not, and it's not like, it is not dealt like as something that he struggles with. Like he's actually, he's actually unashamed of it. You know, he's not exactly, absolutely. There's no scene where he kind of, yeah, shows in, demonstrates any struggle with it. And most, whenever you have like a straight actor playing a, a gay role in a mainstream film, usually it has something to do with the struggle of like recognizing that you're gay or like coming out or living Mm. your true self. And which is an important story, but I think, you know, there's something more revolutionary about a character who just happens to be gay and and is fighting for his his you know, for his partner. Mm-hmm. And even even when even when it's shown that he talks to um 
to the woman that he kind of uh, married uh, on, on a false pretense. They don't even have that conversation either. You know, they don't even have that conversation of like, you know, him struggling with his with his gay identity or with his with his homosexuality. They don't even have that to pin and to be like, look, this is what he is or like this is what we're trying to highlight or yeah i think lumet again has a as a as a, a careful way of 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 putting empathy into the shoes of his characters so that everyone sees empathy in them i don't know it's great it's great um and if we were to move swiftly onwards i wanted to again i wanted to talk about uh sydney a little bit but i guess we can kind of swerve in and out of this but i also wanted to see what you guys thought, and this is for the final kind of pillar uh, about the police, about the role of the police, uh, because obviously it, it has, you know, the most important role of, you know, making sure that this robbery doesn't end up being uh, a bloodshed, doesn't end up being a bloodbath, and and I, and and, but also the the slight corruption um, between the hierarchy and the police, the, the slight. Um, delegation or miscommunication uh, between between Pacino and the detective and then between Pacino and the FBI and then when the FBI come in that's a very different story and like you said in the very beginning Ollie as soon as they get that phone call as soon as he gets that phone call the story again switches twists and turns you're thinking maybe he'll get away with it you're thinking like if if everything's quiet as well everything's kind of going i mean he lights a bin on fire who knows why you know he does certain things but at some point you're thinking okay he's just gonna leave and it's just gonna be this really messy thing but he'll get away with it and then he receives that phone call and the whole plot changes that's it the cops and not only not only do he gets not only does he get that phone call but the amount that I, that's what astounded me when I first watched it when I was little. I was like, Dad, Dad, was there really that many police officers? And apparently there <laughs> were. Apparently there were hundreds of officers that came to just to, to this. And they were they were lined on on the building. There were snipers on the roof. There were, uh, you know, buses and buses and truckloads of officers coming out. And you're thinking, what the hell is going on for two men inside a, a bank? They're getting just, you know, 200 or more police officers to handle the situation. It's crazy. It's, 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 it's frenzy. It's a frenzy. I mean, it's, and they I mean, say the there's no problem. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, I guess the police are kind of treated as jokes really in this film. Mm. I think, um, I think, I don't know if that it's pointing the finger at the, um, police exclusively or like saying that they are in any way to blame for a massive like frankly what a cock up this whole thing was because you know we we described this film early on as like a heist gone wrong but it mm -hmm. goes from being a heist gone wrong to somehow a heist go right because like just like you said everything goes terribly wrong in the first 25 minutes but then after that they just seem to sort of like fail upwards where all of a sudden they're able to negotiate food drinks they're able to win the sympathy of the audience and then they're having a, a limo take them to an airport. Yeah. And even though it doesn't completely go, you know, even though they don't exactly get everything they want in the end, the fact that they got that far is pretty incredible. That and far, I yeah. think, and I think that you, okay, you talk about the numbers, the fact that they have 200 police officers out there with guns, yet not a single bullet was fired ex, um, 
because they can't because they they simply can't mm. they can't risk it because even if they know they were able to get a clear shot on one or two of them there's always a chance they could just happen to shoot one of the hostages and because so many people are watching because the world is watching as they say because by this point you could broadcast something anywhere mm. they couldn't risk that happening not because they particularly cared about the lives of the people hostages in there but it would look make them look terrible so they're just kind of flailing in the wind for most of this film and as for the sort of the um conflict between the police and the fbi that's just like a that seems to be like a trope in films like yeah. in die hard the yeah. you know the sergeants they're always making fun of the fbi and the fbi always kind of shitting on the police yeah. so yeah, yeah. Uh, have you ever seen brooklyn 99 yeah i mean yeah they always like shit on each there's, other yeah. i mean like a hierarchy every, thing yeah because <clears throat> they're all different thingies uh, what's it called Mm. Uh, well different departments different departments yeah. yeah and I, th I think if like you're a cop you're usually you know first to arrive on a scene mm. and then when it becomes a federal crime then the FBI come in there and then they kind of had the jurisdiction to sort of step over you and take over which I guess yeah. I don't know mm. if cops in real life hate FBI or you know vice versa but mm. it would be believable yeah 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 it's true could it be an urban legend could it be real but it's definitely shown and depicted in almost every kind of you know film that has to do with these departments um yeah and it's and, it, and it's and it's interesting um because moretti who's played by you know the brilliant charles durning and i think he he was one of my you know favorites outside of pacino um who's the detective who basically just mm. tries to help him i think he, he he i think he tries to do a really good job at really um taming the situation let's say or or providing for for Pacino's character for um Sonny um and he he really does his best until the FBI step in and you know that's when the story changes again but um but there was one instance where I felt could this happen today absolutely um is when the security guard gets taken away and suddenly you get a swarm of police officers take him out because they thought that he was one of the bank robbers and you get moretti coming in and being like stop what are you doing you son of a bitch stop stop he's not <laughs> and i thought wow again that's hor horrifically timeless because would this ha i was thinking in my head would this happen today if uh, there was there was a black security guard uh and this was the same instance would he get tackled by cops yeah probably yeah mm -hmm. in the world we live in like that we're 1975 2021 nothing has changed yeah. guys mm. we are in the same fucking place good mm, stuff mm. um but yeah so that's why i was like that that struck that like really shook me um and 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 i think what also shook me is the is the role of the police hasn't much changed either from 1975 to 2021 could i still see these and i i've never lived in the states i've never so i can't really pretend to say what the experience is like but from what i see in the news from what i see in the media which is how i would have seen this bank robbery if i was back in 1972 sitting on my tv and watching the news this is what i would see and i see a same image of america that i see now in a way but yeah that's that's me diverting into like something else let's be going, <laughs> let's be going somewhere else with this but um, we'll bring it back. Um, but Sydney. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Sydney, guys. But I think Sydney, again, has just a way of 
Yeah, just a way of really compartmentalizing each moment and making each moment their own. So when suddenly you're getting the FBI taking taking command, that's when you know, and you're getting the call, you're getting the hit as well of like Sonny's partner is going to, he's going to get, you know, pop, pop. Um, that's when you know the story suddenly shifts and they're not getting away with this. Even though Sonny has managed to get everything he wanted up to this point, and even though my fantasy, I'm like, they're getting away. They'll go to Algeria. They'll go to Algeria. They're all going to Algeria. Why are they not going to go to Algeria? Of course they're going to go to Algeria. And then, yeah, and then it's suddenly... And 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 I, I like to think that it starts, this movie starts as quickly as it finishes. Yeah. It starts with Pacino well, and John showing their weapons and it going like this and literally finishing with a shot taking the gun it's done and that's yeah. it, it was, yeah. yeah i think i mean just as an example of you know what Sidney lamette brings to this film outside of what he does with the actors i just think that you're right that cinematic choice to kind of just end it quite abruptly you have you know sunny getting sorry um sal getting shot you have Sonny's kind of like thousand yard stare at realizing what's happened mm-hmm. and then it just pulls away and then you have a silent credits over the shot of the airport hangar, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's for a film that is so um, like for le- for me at least was so unbearably tense for so much of that, for so much of its running time. I think that's the only logical way to end the film, which is just mm-hmm. with silence, because you want to want it to cutting to some song, you know, playing it out. You kind of there just is, want to, there if you're in the no cinema, musical, be, there is you, no musical score in this film, right? Well, one. there you go, yeah. there you go. You'd want to just sit back and kind of absorb everything that's happened. Um, yeah. I think kind of, you, mentioned- you kind of want to release your anus a little bit. I don't know. For me, I was like, oh, and release. <laughs> I was, I don't know. I was just holding so much tension. I remember like just having my other watch, just like it was my shoulders, it was my butt, it was my thighs. <laughs> I just remember like releasing everything, being like, oh, thank goodness. I mean, not thank goodness for them, but like, thank goodness for this film is done. It, yeah. it does. It has that effect, I guess. Yeah. See, I, I didn't get that effect at all. Like, I, I just felt calm throughout the movie. I don't know. It was just Fair enough. like the same with 12 Angry Men. I thought it was kind of flat. Like it didn't really play with my, um, I don't know, with, with tension in my mm. opinion. Uh, so I don't know what you guys are seeing. It's, even, even, but the film was riddled with, I, there I weren't felt... any tense moments. Like it was so jarring. Cause like his actions were, he'd be chill and then he'd be like, Rah! so like, I'd remember he'd be like, yo, show me where the, was it the air conditioning room was? And then mm. he f- heard the people coming through. There was never like a slow, tense rise. And then, you know, it was either zero to 100 and that's it. Mm. Like, you know, so for me, it wasn't, it didn't Even in the give limo, me the chance. It, yeah, like, it like didn't at the give end? me the chance. No. I mean, because you knew it was gonna happen. Yeah, I, I think that's. Like, but that's where was, the tension came. Um, like I had me. zero tension because uh, I don't know. It, I I I didn't know anything about this movie. I've never seen this movie before. I didn't read any synopsis or whatever. And I don't know. Usually, movies give you the time to build tension by yourself. And for this movie. There, I, I feel like I didn't have that chance to mm. to, to get that. The, the tension, up. the tension for me was not from wondering if at any moment like a a, a shot could go off or something terrible could mm-hmm. happen. It was more like 
I think it did have that sense of like calm about it because you knew they were in a bit of a stalemate mm -hmm. for so much of the film where nobody could do anything. But it was more this tension from me knowing that this was not going to end well. It's like being told, okay, this train, it's going to, these tracks lead off the end of a cliff. So mm -hmm. it's going to go off a cliff. But you just don't know if that's going to be in five kilometers, 10 kilometers or 100 kilometers. Mm -hmm. But it's going to happen. Yeah. And you just know, watching these characters try, you, you're you watching Al Pacino rage against the unwinnable. He, you, you're just waiting for him to realize that, look, like, despite what I hope he might feel, like, this is not going to end well for you. And that was where the tension came mm. for me. Yeah, I think for me, where most of the tension came from, surprisingly, was in, it, was in its comedy. I, I, I found myself tensing up in the bits of, comedic comedic gold that was kind of sprinkled throughout this film and those bits of comedy were in um the were in the mistakes were in the fuck-ups were in the moments where you're thinking oh my god what are they doing what are they sure. doing yeah, i know you know for, it's it's the fire that they light it's the the fire in the in the rubbish in the rubbish bin that they light. The insurance guy coming in and being like, "Hey, is there a problem here?" <laughs> mm -hmm. Or uh, the playing with the gun. Suddenly, they're playing with the gun with one of the hostages. Or the bathroom break is like, oh, "Do you need a bathroom break?" And they, so it's like it's it's those moments. There's the miscommunication for me was the point of tension because it's like, "Oh my god, this is." Or the security guard having asthma. It's like it's all these things that just like. It's like a domino effect of just what what else can go wrong, um, so yeah, it's it's it, it it's that 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 kind of for me carries the the movie, and but also brings it a bit of lightness because you're thinking, oh my god, this 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 horrible tale does have comedy in it. Um, so uh, I guess we can go into into our to, to our last little questions now that we've kind of covered all that. Um, but um, yeah, so the first question being. Favorite performance. We're at it again. Favorite performance might be might be a unanimous uh, kind of deal here, or may may not. Um, I can go first. I'll go to the Al to the Pacino. Mm. Um, I'm gonna go with Penelope Allen. Was that her? Sylvia. Mm. Sylvia, yeah. the mm. the blue dress boss. She's great. I, I thought she was mm. awesome. So funny. Fantastic. Yeah, I think um, I mean I I think I'm gonna go with um just out of like respect to what this guy achieved in such a short career, I'm gonna go for John Cazal, mm. his Sal, because you know actually I want to dig into that a little bit because Jabril, you mentioned that you you didn't really buy him as a real character in this film. You didn't think mm. he seemed scared or, I guess, did you buy any human emotion from him or do you think he was just kind of a bit of a like a wet a damp squib the whole time? I mean. It, it to me it, it didn't seem like a performance it's like it's it for me it felt like they gave him a piece of paper before the the scene and they were like just memorize this and then just say that that's that's what it looked like to me because i don't know it just like they could have canceled like deleted all of his scenes in the movie would it wouldn't have mattered oh i just think like it was such an interesting uh, balance his performance because on the one hand the way he's kind of introduced and i think positioned probably like intentionally by sony's characters like this guy's a fucking maniac he could let go at any moment so you better not come in here cops because or you guys better not try and escape because this guy will gladly unload on you and at one point yeah i think he does say like sal's character does come up to him and say you know like we're going to go out like we're going to, you know, we're going to like tear it up in here. Right. Because all, you know, 
we, we're not going to go to prison. So we're going to like shoot our way out of here. Right. That was the plan. And you do. And so I, I do believe that there is this like potential threat to his character, but in the same time, mm-hmm. he's wonderfully, you know, tragically, um, innocent and kind of childlike in a way despite being such a pro- quite probably quite a disturbed character because he's so trusting like he's being completely led along by sonny probably you know against his best interests mm. i mean definitely and then you know even him getting shot at the end is because he's just all too comfortable doing whatever this guy in the front this fbi agent tells him to do mm-hmm. and then his scene with um with penelope's character where they're talking the about smoking. Yeah, I yeah. Like, get, I don't want to get the cancer. Absolutely. And I just think there's this like sad, desperate, desperate childlike quality to his performance mm-hmm. in it that I think is wonderful. I but I, I'll give a shout out also to Christopher Sarandon as Leon because I thought he was mm-hmm. he was yeah. great in this film too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, this is kind of a harrowing little fact, but they talk about the cigarettes and how he says, I don't want the cancer and he was known to be a heavy smoker and, and died of lung cancer three years later. Um, oh, do yeah. you think? Do you think he knew about it when this when this was filming? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't. I could. I th- I think he died during the uh, the, the the shooting of um, Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter. Um, no, for sure. Yeah, John Cazale. Yeah, definitely a short short career, but but left 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 a mark. Left a mark. Um. I mean, okay. he, did, he did, sorry, just to clarify, he did, for the listeners, he did five films in his career, only five, and one was Godfather Part 1, one was Godfather Part 2, one was The Deer Hunter, one was The Conversation, one was Dog Day Afternoon. Damn. I mean, that's the best filmography that's, that's ever for, existed. That's yeah. like five heavyweights right there. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's definitely left his mark with with just five films um okay favorite i was gonna say favorite score that's definitely not it guys i still don't have these questions memorized <laughs> but um scene right <laughs> yeah scene. yeah it's favorite scene <laughs> oh it is scene okay favorite scene jabril what's your favorite scene uh the last scene mm. uh because mm. it it mirrors the first um sequence almost identically there's uh, hidden guns, and then, you know, that's how it starts with a bang, and it ends with a bang. Like, that's literally what Raph said when he mentioned that scene. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's... And it, and it meant the end of the movie, and I could play FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm kidding, I'm joking. Wait, I, have a question. I, have a, I have a question. Did, did, did Fede enjoy this film? Uh, he, he, we both were like, yeah, it's a good movie, but like, we weren't like, whoa, this is a dope movie. Like, hmm. um, interesting. I like now with, <laughs> with every movie I turn to him and I give him a rating Wrong. and, um, he's like, hmm, hmm. and you can tell like if he agrees or not. And I turned to him and I was like, and he agreed, you hmm. will find out the rating. Oh, okay. And oh, now, God. and now I have Scared. some sort of an, um, idea of what my, ratings are like why i choose those numbers and i will tell you after. interesting um so uh yeah my favorite scene is i oh i, I know i actually i feel like i cheat on this a lot and give two answers so <laughs> i'm gonna try not to do that this time try not to yeah all right but i'm gonna mention the other scene at the end of this recording just because i do think it's fantastic um uh favorite scene is the phone call between sonny and leon i 
Um, mm. I just think it was like that's uh, you know I'm going to talk about this a little in probably the next question, but I just think that I love that this film can, like I said earlier, kind of do a really good job of making fun of how stupid this character is, but also yeah. make you feel for him and think that this guy has a real beating heart, even though he's mm. also like. It's as it's hinted at in this film, like probably not a very good person generally. Like he's violent. He's um, he pushes people into things like even Leon, who's meant. I mean, this is not like what you'd call a quintessential love story. Like Leon himself says, you know, this guy's a dangerous person. Like he does bad Mm. things to everyone around him. And yet they have this phone call where despite the fact that Leon tells him, you know, you're like the worst thing that ever happened to to me. There is this tenderness there. And. I just found it heartbreaking, especially that first bit where, like, he gets Leon on the phone and, you know, this whole time he's been putting up this performance for everyone mm. and he just kind of breaks down a little bit. He's like, oh, man, I'm, you know, I'm really in the shit right here. And you get the sense that despite whatever Leon might think of him, this is the one guy he can really be honest with. Not his wife, because mm. I think right before that he's talking to his wife and he ends up yelling at her and telling her to yeah. put down the phone. Yeah. But, yeah, great scene. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. And, 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 and shows that sensitivity that many films or many directors don't kind of get, um, which is why I love Lumet and that rhymes. Um, <laughs> yeah. My favorite scene is, is, uh, is the one where he pulls out the, the shotgun because suddenly you are thrust into the film. You as an audience member are, it suddenly changes the pace changes, tonal shift um, and I think it's a really cool scene because it starts, Sidney Lumet does this brilliant thing technically where he swerves, he like almost, there's like a pan, I don't know if like, I don't know how to call this technically, maybe all you can tell me, but but there's like a pan that he does really fast and really well. And it kind of showcases the whole of the, of the bank. Mm-hmm. And this is the space that you're going to be sharing with Pacino. And you get him from from waiting picking up that piece of paper and talking to his associate who's the first one who kind of bails um (laughs) and i thought how brilliant because like you're starting a robbery and all and already your your third man has just decided fuck it i'm not doing this uh and then he realizes and you get just that whole movement that whole dance that whole conflict and then burst and he's like hey he starts shouting and then you're (laughs) then you're in so yeah it's really electrifying stuff All right, age the best, folks. What do we have, Gabriel? Um, yeah the the social um, like questioning the social issues. I think mm-hmm. the uh, police brutality, um, the LGBT, mm-hmm. um, like even mentioning like PTSD a little bit and the, mm-hmm. the shockwaves of the Vietnam War, um, all those social aspects i think like we said made this movie timeless ollie i've written down here the the human comedy and i'm not exactly sure what that means but i think it's kind of like what i was describing before i think this film's really really funny mm-hmm. and it makes it make it points out a lot of comedy that you can wring from people kind of fucking up royally <laughs> but at the same time i never feel like it's belittling its characters I feel like it's every film, every character in this film is treated with a certain degree of respect, and I I find that um, I find that makes it both more funny and more touching at the same time. So mm. yeah, that's my answer. And like Sylvia says, this is a fucking comedy. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to have to piggyback on on Drabel's one. Like, I think social commentary is is the thing that uh, makes it quite timeless, and I think that's probably why we just haven't seen a remake of this film. Which presumably, I mean, you'd think that perhaps there there would be one, but yeah, this movie's please, untouched please because no, it is. Please, no, yeah, it, it doesn't have <laughs> to don't be. do it. It doesn't have to be. <laughs> uh, age the worst, folks. I'll start with you this time. I think there should be a TikTok version of this film. Sorry. Hey, to be honest, that would if 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 one were to contemporize it, I did write Pacino. If this was in 2021, would be insta famous. Yeah, the amount of TikToks and the amount of like just phones that would. But I just want to see the I want to see the remake of this film where a bunch of teenagers like try to rob a bank. Like rob a HSBC or something, and like their demand is like a PS5 or something. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, you were gonna ask me a question. Right? Age, age the worst. Uh, yeah, I, I initially wrote I don't have an answer to this question because I couldn't really think of anything because I think this film has aged really damn well for a film that's this old. Um, but I did read somewhere, and this is only something I got from you know my extracurricular reading, but uh, I read somewhere that the uh, the the performance and the um, how the 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 character of uh, Al Pacino's wife was written in this film mm-hmm. was kind of really unfair and unlike the person that she was portraying, and I guess in mm. a way it kind of paints her as this sort of shrew who might be somewhat responsible for Sonny running into the arms of a man and then taking you know mm-hmm. holding a bank hostage. Um, but I don't even know if that's necessarily something I would fully agree with, so I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm. I plead the fifth. <clears throat> uh, Fair enough. You're for pre- me... Prima speech, man. Prima speech. Hmm. I think the the stereotypical, like, Afri- African-American character from that time, which is the, the limousine driver who was the undercover cop, I mean... I feel like every movie from the 70s had that one, like, African-American dude who used to speak like that, you know, like, power to the people, like, mm-hmm. that stereotype. And I think that's the only thing that aged that. But what's mm-hmm. interesting about that is, though, if we are to believe he was an undercover cop who was just mm-hmm. pretending to be a limo driver, yeah. then all that power to the people stuff was actually just a cop you know trying to like yeah yeah, put it on basically so even maybe even the film kind of knew that was really hackneyed and stereotypical it it was just like nitpicking for me Mm, mm. yeah um yeah no this movie is is gold i there is there is no this movie apart from the actual heist gone wrong this movie has no wrong uh well said thank you uh okay last but not least mystery question oh wait, wait, a, wait i think it's wait, a mystery wait, wait. to raf well, one second one second before <laughs> since me and raf we did uh age the best we did the both the same thing um i'm gonna say uh set design was really cool ah uh, yeah. oh so so sydney lumet like got his act together in terms of set design uh, between apparently between yeah. uh, 12 <laughs> angry men and this one <laughs> yeah progress progress <laughs> oh man can't oh man wait till we till you watch um our next from 2007 who knows what yeah. <laughs> uh there's been there's been a whopping 30 years in between okay um 
Yeah, mystery question. Uh, like Holly mentioned, I kind of forgot about this one, but I just found something, actually. And it's going to be slightly controversial, so you don't really have to answer it. But what? if you were to rob a bank, what would it be for and why? Oh, wow. Do you think he robbed the bank to pay for his girlfriend's operation? Was that his sole purpose? I believe so, yeah. Oh. I believe I believe he wanted to he he wanted to accumulate the money, didn't know how. Um he got a tip uh at a at a gay bar oh. about a truck, an armored truck coming in at a specific yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it, yeah, was I... suppo- it was supposed it was supposed to be this flawless thing. So I think in his mm. head he was like, Oh, I can get away with this. Mm. Um little did he know. Right. Little yeah. did they know. Um, um, so it, it, yeah, so that's my mystery question on the spot. <laughs> if you were to rob a bank, why and how much? Um, I okay. guess my your why will be your how much. Oh, I've actually got two answers. Can I can I rattle them off? Go, okay, go. if I was going to steal the money, it'd be so I can um, uh, buy Manchester United, so I can take ownership from the Glazers. If I was able to steal like billions and billions somehow, uh, or if I was just holding the bank hostage in order to get something, um, I'm gonna go with a silly answer. It'd be like to force uh, Benioff and Weiss to reshoot the ending of Game of Thrones, <laughs> or I'm gonna kill these people <laughs> if they don't give us another season. Yeah. Bring George R. R. Martin back, back to write. <laughs> It's going to be one of those nerds holding up the bank. <laughs> what you did to Khaleesi was shameful. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's very good. Gabriel, <laughs> 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 do, do you have one? I have, I have a simple one. And I think mm. it, was, it was mentioned by Ollie again. <laughs> but, uh, if I were to rob a bank, because I still don't have one. <laughs> would be to get that motherfucking PS5. <laughs> I need that next gen console. <laughs> I'd come there with a BB gun. I'd be like, give just give me. Well, how oh, much no. is it? I just need six hundred pounds. I just need six hundred pounds. It's only five hundred fifty. Just give it to me. I'm out of here. Dude, you might Seriously, as well just, like hold up an H and M then. <laughs> I, yeah, so, I might as well just go to a console store. Just, yeah, hold up a game. Yeah, just, get a, just get a PS5. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why I need to go to the bank for that. Mm. <laughs> it's like, sir, we hold no money here. They're all digital. This is. Yeah. I'm like Monzo. Where's Monzo? Monzo's a digital bank. We're just, not, we're just an office. And I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, get Monzo on the phone. I'm like, where's your vault, sir? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, ah, shit. Everything's online now. Yeah, it's like if you don't Venmo me ten million dollars. <laughs> Here's my account. Look, you want you my number? PayPal me Here, now. Yeah, here's my address. Here's my number. This is where I live. It's my sword code. It's my. Uh, they know everything about me in, in, in two minutes. They're like, yeah, just close the account. I don't even have the. Ma- yeah, like come with a mask as well. Yeah. <laughs> Sir, do you still want this account? No. <laughs> Jabril, I maybe you're too good. You're too good of a soul to to even think of even think of such things i mean like when you asked like uh the question i was like why would you do it uh, my my first thought was like why would i do it <laughs> to to have to have it like to have the money like to have i don't the know money. Yeah, yeah, uh yeah, yeah. no but i think okay just for the sake of an answer um probably like a 
a private jet. Oi. And yeah. like uh a pilot like just until until I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So nice. I can get so like what, isn't can't you like travel with private jet during lockdown and shit? Just in yeah. case anything happens. You, you can charter a plane apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. True that, true that. Mm. Um yeah, nice. Well, look at us. Okay. Well, look you know, you you heard it here first. Look at look at us. Um, ratings. Ratings, folks. Ratings. All right, let's wrap this up. And mm. start with you, Jabriel, because I'm most curious. Mm. I'm most curious of your rating. I am gonna give it an eight out of ten. No. Oh, that's really good. Higher than I thought you were gonna give it. Yeah, 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 yeah I was gonna give it an eight out of ten. Oh. Um <laughs> because oh shit, what's the thing? Fuck. Oh yeah. Do we not have a out thing? Out of ten, uh, pizzas. Oh damn it! Nice. <laughs> you took nice. my answer. Nice, yeah. nice. There we go. All right, eight out of ten pizzas, Ollie. Uh, I am going to give this. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, what can be my thing? Uh, I'll go ten out of ten jets. You know, ten out of oh, ten jets. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this is a. By the way, this is a rare occasion for me to give a film 10 out of 10. So this so. is big. Yeah, this is big. This yeah. is a I still think we should bring in like theme music of some kind if someone it's, it's gives a film 10 when, out of 10. It's only when we get three. Yeah, three. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, it's, it's true. It's true. It's true. That's that's a real landmark. Um, I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 Benjamin Franklins. Nice. And I'm doing the Are money. You? I'm doing the money thing. So hey, just make it rain. Know. Yeah, I'm hey. making it Attica! rain. Attica! <laughs> Attica! Attica! <laughs> All right. And like at 6 a.m. at Attica in 2000. <laughs> oh, boy. We got to say goodbye. It's time to say goodbye. But before we do, I'd like to say share, subscribe, like, comment, do all that stuff, all that jazz. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Um, and yeah, uh, catch y'all soon. <laughs> hey guys, if you like the show, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Movie Newbie, and you can also search The Movie Newbie on Medium for really cool, spoiler-free reviews. So, catch you in the next episode. Till next time, guys. Enjoy.